This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Today's guest on the podcast is a pro climber with a story and journey that is unlike any other. Molly Mitchell from the US was a rising star of the American trad climbing scene in the last five years, having graduated from hardcore indoor gym climbing to cut her teeth on hard and bold ascents in the Colorado mountains. In 2019, she made a rare ascent of China Doll, a super techie 514 crack groove climb. Following on from this, she quickly got involved in another dangerous project, the 513 plus crank it, that the late Brad Gobright broke his back on. Unbelievably, Molly then went on to have her own accident on this exact same route, decking out after gear ripping and fracturing her L2 and L3 vertebrae. In 2021, she decided that against all odds, she would try to revisit the scene of the accident and overcome all the setbacks of that accident and the physical and mental trauma and send this route, a journey which was filmed by filmmaker Cedar Wright. Last year, I received a message from Molly asking if I'd be interested in working with her as a mental coach to see if we could break down some of the things holding her back from success and join her on her journey towards a final send. I'm not going to steal the punchline yet, as we'll get into that a little bit in the episode. But without further ado, welcome to the show, Molly. Thank you, Tom. I'm honoured to be here. Well, this is a little bit of a, a different format for how we do Zoom sessions normally. It's normally kind of more like athlete and uh coach but i want to get straight into the kind of story of crank it and your journey with this particular route but before i do that can you give us all a background into where you came from as a climber and in particular sort of indoor climbing scene and i think you came from abc and robin rabatu and that kind of thing. So I think people will be really interested to see where you came from originally. Yeah, so I started climbing in Atlanta um, when I was 16. And then I moved to Boulder in 2011 to go to CU Boulder. And um, about a year after I moved there, I reached out to Robin just to do private lessons. I had like aged out of like the youth climbing competition scene and like being a part of the ABC team. But she um, allowed me to do private lessons with her, which was super cool. And it helped me so much. And I tried to get into the competition climbing, but I was really bad at it. I was just always so nervous. And uh, I just like didn't find my way with that. Um, and I actually got a, a viral thyroid disease when I was 20. And it really set me back in climbing for a while. It lasted about a year. Um, and it also, like after it was done, I kept going back to my doctor and being like, oh, I don't feel well. And like all my lab results were fine. And she suggested that I see a psychiatrist because I, she thought it was anxiety. And so I saw a psychiatrist. I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And at that point I had been like sport climbing outside, but I wasn't doing awesome at it. And I wasn't super psyched because I was just having a lot of anxiety and not feeling great about myself. And then one of the guides at ABC, or two of them at ABC, Adam Brink and Ryan Armand, um, offered to take me out trad climbing, and I fell in love with it. Um, I really liked it because it's 
seemed really mental and uh, dealing with anxiety and learning how to deal with my anxiety disorder, um, I felt like I could transfer what I was learning for my anxiety into climbing on the wall with trad because you just have to really trust yourself and you have to really focus and not let the thoughts going on in your mind overcome you. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how you you went into that trad climbing arena particularly with your situation with really struggling with anxiety because I think most people listening will go oh that seems like the most anxiety provoking activity I can do to go into the kind of more risky form of climbing so I'm interested to know whether your initial brushes or experiences with trad climbing was that a very positive experience around that anxiety element of it because of those mentors and how they helped you frame anxiety and trad climbing and risk? Yeah, I think Ryan and Adam were great for me because they just really believed in my ability too. like my first trad lead was um, center route up at Rincon in El Dorado Canyon. And it's a 511. And uh, I didn't know that like, tra- like getting into trad, you don't just do like 511. Like I was a sport climber, you know, and you're like, oh, 511, I can warm up on this. Uh, but I think them just being like, yeah, no, good like we taught you how to play skier like you can totally do it you're strong enough it was nice because it made me just feel like um I believed in myself and my ability and I could trust the gear and it was actually like pretty cool when I felt like I was above my gear because um you know those thoughts start to creep in but having people that were just so supportive and um it helped me just believe in myself with that and even though it it is anxiety provoking like I said I think I was learning, um, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's basically learning to accept that you'll have negative thoughts that will arise or like, you know, you'll get scared, you'll feel uncomfortable feelings, but um, you can still act on your behavior and act on what you want to do and like what you value. And so just accepting, and this has been the theme throughout my trad climbing and why I like it is like accepting that you're going to feel scared and it's going to feel like uncomfortable and like just sketchy and whatever, but um, you can keep going. Even if that exists, you don't have to try to like block it out or like um, just like listen to those thoughts. And that's what I think I felt like I had a, um, a niche in that. Uh, And when you did those early trad climbing experiences, were they very progressive in terms of, you know, slow buildup of more and more stimulating or risky or exciting situations? Or were you thrown in at the deep end right away? Because I, and I ask this because I always think that a lot of people will see you as a professional climber who's done some of these really bold things and they will think that you were just brilliant at this stuff right from the outset and it may not have been a, a journey of it. I think, uh, so like my second trad lead was the Evictor um, in El Dorado Canyon. And uh, it was R, rated R at the time, but it's PG-13 now, but it's pretty run out. It's kind of scary. Um, And like, again, I just had good mentors and I got to top rope it before trying it. Um, But I think like after that too, I kind of sought out ones that did have like some bigger run outs because I, yeah, I enjoyed pushing myself in that way. And I don't think I built up like a really awesome base, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I just, 
I'm just like a person that picks a route that I'm like, yes, this seems really cool. And I want to do it. And I like head pointing a lot. I like, you know, getting all the physical part down and learning that I have to try hard in these certain sections and like, oh, this gear is going to be really scary in this section. Um, and then putting all my energy towards that. And like, that's what I did with China doll and crank it. Um, but I think that for me, I did notice that I had a talent with dealing with the fear, like not like getting rid of it. I wasn't like climbing and being like, oh, whatever, it's fine. Like I would get scared, but I could push through it. Um, and so I definitely developed a bit of an ego like early on. Um, and that's something that I was like, like looking back, I'm like, wow, you're so like, you didn't really know what you were doing so much. But um, so I did take some years off and I moved to Vegas and focused on sport climbing just to get like physically stronger too. And then came back to Boulder in 2018. And that's when I started trad climbing again and, and picked China doll as my project. And just like, I felt like my ego was way more in check at that point. Like, just not naive of what, although I don't know, I guess I was still kind of naive because of my accident, but, <laughs> but I do think like I still could build a better base. I just, I get obsessive with routes and then it's like a goal that I can't get rid of in my mind. And so I just mm. try to see it through. Yeah. <laughs> And what do you mean by when you say my, you know, I had to get my ego in check and I, I developed an ego. What does that mean for you? Well, I feel like I was just trying to like, just tout how I was like doing these like harder climbs that were scary and just, um, you know, social media is like such a weird thing where you're like, yeah, I did this and I did this. And then I realized that really didn't, I don't know, that didn't align with my like core values, you know, so um, I wanted to get physically stronger as a climber and like prove myself capable of doing um, harder sport climbs first. And then I was like, cool, then I can translate this to trad climbing um, in the future and just feel like I'm like more prepared and like I've paid my dues almost, if that makes sense, which is like actually like training hard physically and like uh, just knowing that if you just go around bragging about <laughs> what you do it doesn't really like it doesn't feel good in the end for you and then it also just like i feel like you lose respect from from other people and i just wanted to be like people i looked up to in, when i was younger and just be like a badass that doesn't always have to and we've talked about this doesn't always have to be a badass all the time but just you like hear of them and they're like really nice people and they're humble and they've done some really cool things, but they're not just like using that as a way to like boost their ego, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you said there as well about how you wanted to kind of pay your dues and build up that. You almost went back to the the sort of foundation, the starting base. You had that very quick intro into harder, bolder trad, which is I think is unusual and 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 does show that you had a certain innate ability on that kind of mental control side of things very early on but then you went back and said I want to reset I want to lay this foundation and that's a habit that I've seen lots of really really good years that they often kind of pay homage to the the physical ability of the previous generation and go I know these people were sport climbing at this grade or they were bouldering this grade and they go away for one three five years sometimes to go and put that all in place and then they want to regroup and go now 
I'm going to take all this mental stuff and mental game that I have, and I'm going to put it all together, which I guess was the first thing for that for you was um, China Doll. Yeah, totally. That's a really good way to put it. And I definitely, like I said, like I can build a better base in trad, but I think just like really paying my dues with training, especially, and like being in the gym, working hard. And then like, like you said, people go and do sport climbing to train. And that's like people boulder. I mean, before even bouldering was its own like thing that people do. It's like they would use bouldering to train for routes. And so, um, I think that that really helped me just gaining confidence too. And not in like a, Oh, I'm so badass way, but like, okay, now I can revisit trad and see how it goes and feel like I've put in the work. And now I have to go back to that mental side as opposed to just doing physical. Mm. I, I think um, I'll probably point out here for anyone listening that doesn't know loads about, you know, your, your tick list and your CV and things like that is uh, I always think of, molly and and other trad climbers as being and i put also like this air quotes thing true trad climbers when their uh-huh. sport grade matches up with their trad grade because i think it's really it's really indicative of someone having a very good process a good head good tactics when if they can sport climb 14a they can trad climb 14a if they can 13a they can do it in both formats and i think i'm right in saying that your sport grade is exactly the same as your trad grade is that right yeah i think the few 14 a's that i've done for for climbing got downgraded to 13d but you know it happens and you know what china doll will never be downgraded it is so hard (laughs) yeah so that's pretty cool um and yeah i'll definitely go back and do some other sport climbs and um i had a really good trainer when i was working on china doll um and he was like Cause I feel like sometimes for trad routes, I have to be stronger physically than the route. And he was like saying, he's like, I feel like you could climb like 14 B or C at this point, but I just had to be that strong and that confident in my ability so that I could deal with my mind too. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, and when, when you talk about, um, you know, being, being strong enough for the route, but also being strong enough for your mind, I think even before we, you know, start talking about crank it and, you know, the accident and this reset and process of that, I think it'd be interesting hearing your, your insights or your thoughts into what did your mental game or process look like for um, China Doll? Like, can you sort of like take us through the sort of confidence building thing and, uh sort of you know any like visualization work that you did or how you control confidence etc like how how did that look um in that sort of first big project stage for you so i think it was cool because china doll um for those who don't know is like two pitches and when and the first pitch is uh like 13c i think and then the second one is like 13d but when you link the whole thing together as one pitch it's 14a um, but the first pitch of it, the 13C pitch, is bolted. So I really broke it down into three goals of like doing it on the bolts first, doing that first pitch on the bolts first, then doing the first pitch on the gear, and then doing the whole thing on the gear. And I was training throughout all of this, like training a ton, like just would go and train either before or after going out to the route. Um, and I've always liked that because I'm like, if I'm training and I can like make progress on my project, 
then it's going to feel better when I take that like rest after and it'll feel so much not easier, but like I can just like, I'll be more confident in my ability. Um, so the, the first pitch too, like when you climb it on the gear, that's the scariest part of it because you have to either like climb a bolted pitch below it or what I did when I climbed the whole thing was solo this five nine to the right to get up to the start of the first pitch. Cause it's not right at the base, you know? Um, and there's this, like, you get like two good cams in this horizontal crack. And then there's this like bulge that you have to go over and it doesn't take like awesome gear. Like we did find a red ball net placement, but you know, a red ball net's kind of scary. Um, and if you fall there, like, yes, the two cams below will keep you off the deck, but there's a massive ledge that you will hit if you fall there and your if, if your red ball net or whatever piece you place um, rips. So that's pretty scary. But, you know, I did it on the bolts first and then I was like, I would get really scared, like trying to do it, even when I figured out the gear for it, like trying to do that section on the gear. So I just like took it pretty slow and would like um, just break it down a lot. Like, okay, I got through this section placing the gear and I'm going to like take here and um, just try to make overlaps and links. And that was really cool. And then by the time that I did the the first pitch on the gear, I started working on the whole thing, like on top rope, just figuring it out and then figuring out the gear for the second pitch. I actually felt like the second pitch was much like it fit my style much better. Um, so that was kind of cool. And I was just really strong at that point. Like I'd been training a ton. So linking it all together actually didn't take, well, I guess it took like a month, but like um, I felt like with the, like with the first pitch, even doing it on the bolts, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like the crux was really hard. I, was like, I don't know. It's like really hard. But then after I did the first pitch, especially doing the first pitch on the gear, I was, and like testing those upper moves because I hadn't even touched those upper moves at that point. But, and like being able to link stuff up on the second pitch so much faster than I did before, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So it was cool. It was kind of like this thing of like, it's just a matter of time. Um, and I think that was really different than crank it because like once I got so used to the moves, um, I had sent it, I literally sent it on top rope the day before I sent China doll, like, you know, all on the gear and whatever. I sent it on top rope, like going into the sun. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, I can do it. I was like really frustrated because I fell in that upper crux again and I was like frustrated and I was like, just lower me. And, and then I was just like, I'm going to give it a top rope burn and send it. And then the next day out, I think it was the next day out. I uh, just sent it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was a fight. It's always a fight. Like when you're nervous, you know, and kind of scared and like, you really want to send, it was a fight at the end because you just, I got through that upper crux and I was like, oh my God, like, I can't screw this up. I got through the upper crux, you know, so, but it was cool. Those moments are the best when it's not, it's not just like an easy ride, even though I knew I could do it. It was like, oh, well, you still have self-doubt. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard route as well. That one, like I've, so I put in quite a few days on that route now and I still haven't done it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really tricky. And it, and it is nice to hear that you did have such a you know like a proper breakdown chunking down process because it is a, it's a really complicated route there's a lot of sections it's pretty long there's a lot to it there's some you know technical bits some hard bits some bold bits there's so much to it and yeah i think your you know your process just shows how effective that whole breaking things down slowly adding stuff together putting it together and then you know you just have to wait at the end for you know energy stars the skin to align i know i'm so bad at waiting too that's why 
when I almost like, cause that's why I was frustrated and like send it on top rope right after. Um, it's because I almost like so close got almost got through that crux. Like I, I think I like stuck that, like that throw move you might know of was like getting my foot up and like my foot slipped or something. And I was like, what the heck? Like so angry. And so like, and then when I sent it on top rope, I was like, do you think we should come back later this afternoon so I can try again? Like, I'm just so, so impatient, but I waited till the next morning. It was good. It worked out. (laughs) Yeah. I think like the technical part of, I really enjoyed, like I found that I really enjoyed the technical granite climbing because I really like stemming and I stemmed my way up that route. (laughs) Mm. Let's move on to crank it and uh, the scene of a very involved and uh, very challenging uh, experience for you over the last year or so. Um, I suppose my first question would be is, as I said in the intro, it's 513 plus, really bold, hard route, physically hard, but also bold. Knowing that Brad had decked out, where did your decision, like, where did your... Where did your mind go in this, considering you know well, there's a track record there beforehand? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, maybe I can find better gear. <laughs> um, and like um, this other guy, Tanner Bauer, was working on Viceroy at that time, too. And he did tell me that there was a good placement for the crux. I mean, it's still a big fall, but like, I mean, Brad had only placed one piece, too. And like, it's pretty high. The crux is like 15 to 20 feet, but um, it's really, and it's like an awkward fall too. Cause you're like moving right from the crack. But yeah, so that was like fine. Like when I, when we figured out that gear and I always laid pads out at the base just in case because of Brad's accident. Um, yeah, but I didn't expect to fall higher than him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, it was not expected but luckily we had the pads that i mean i broke my back but uh it could have been so much worse if we didn't mm. have the pads yeah like so much worse like i think about that sometimes and it's like yes i know i'm lucky so and so you you obviously decked out and ended up in hospital ended up in a brace i think you had was it eight or nine weeks nine weeks yeah luckily i didn't have to get surgery so that was huge and through that process you you're obviously in a a very very poor physical state and it probably looked like at the time that climbing was uh, you know a long long way away from you let alone that route itself so my question is and i think this is the one that i'm i suppose most fascinated by is where was the point or what was the timing of the point where you went but but what about if i went back when did that happen and why do you remember why it happened well so um when i got out of my brace i started like climbing again in the gym and i feel like i didn't lose too much except i didn't really realize how much i had lost like in my core especially like my lower core and uh my back is still like still gives me troubles because um those muscles just near the l2 and l3 are just always so tight um but it's gotten better my doctor like didn't 
tell me I need, or she was like, I don't think you need physical therapy because you're an athlete and whatever. And that was a huge mistake. Um, so I, you know, I was like psyched to get back to climbing and I definitely pushed it a little too fast. And then my back started to hurt like late summer, but anyway, so I think like I had talked with a lot of friends about it. I mean, even, um, Topher Donahue, um, had reached out to me and, and offered, he gave me some advice too. Like, he's like, if you want to go back, like, we'll, like, um, I'd be happy to give you some pointers. He was like, I think maybe using two ropes. And then when I fell, um, the thing that would have, the piece that would have kept me off the ground was this really like looked bomber nut. Um, but it, because of the way the rope was angled across the two cracks, cause it's like you shift from one crack to another at the crux. Um, it lifted when I fell, I ripped a couple pieces up higher and then it lifted that nut up and out with the rope tension. Um, and so he was like, I think you could anchor down that nut with another piece, just like clip it to another piece, even if it's not like a great piece. Um, and I was like, okay, like I started to think about that. He actually, I think he called me like two weeks after my accident or something. <laughs> I was looking at wow. back brace. I was like, okay, yeah, okay. I was like, I don't know if I'll go back, but thank you. Um, and, uh, and then I talked to Cedar um about it and he offered to come out and look at gear with me and I just had friends that were like if you really want to do it like we'll I'll come look at gear with you and and help you try to figure out a safer way to do it but it was definitely like talking to Cedar too like we were both like he had talked about the film at that point too um and we we're like well we're not he's like I mean he too was just like I don't want you to do it if we can't figure out better gear um or just you know good enough gear to make it so that you're not going to make your back again um but yeah I think like uh so I was like kind of psyched on that I didn't really realize how much even just climbing on easier trad routes I just started to have panic attacks above gear and it wasn't even like the gear itself it was me placing the gear like I didn't trust myself placing the gear and being like yes that's a good piece um and that really translated when I was getting back on crank it too especially because those placements are so particular like literally if you don't place it 100 correctly it will rip um and that happened when we were testing pieces too and it's so funny because i remember like a couple people being like oh yeah that looks like a great piece it was like a 0.5 in this like flared crack and literally everywhere we we placed it it ripped it's like just people like it so that kind of made me think like too like okay it's not just me like this route is messed up <laughs> like it's just like i mean there's a reason it's bolted you know but you have to place things correctly. It's kind of hard. My friend used to call it um, black belt level placement. So, but I think like just coming back to it, I actually did um, the first time I got back on it. Well, okay. So I, uh, I started with climbing a route that was super safe called bone crusher. It takes like really good gear um, up at the quarry in golden Colorado. Um, that was like my first project back in like, I think it was like in February of 2021. And that was really scary for me at first. I mean, I remember Cedar coming up with me and like looking at gear and making me take on gear and making me take falls. And it was terrifying, but I like worked my way through it and eventually did it. And I was still terrified, but I did it. Um, and in that crux too, I think you've gotten on it, right? Yeah. Um, like you can, if you're strong enough, you can literally play the piece, like every move in the crux. And so I like was doing that, but I even like when I sent, I skipped a piece, which I was like, Oh, I'm so proud of myself. Um, but, uh, so that was cool. And then I was like, okay, now I want to go back to crank it. Like I've done a trad climb, even though it was a big jump, 
but um I actually to my surprise when I got back on crank it I just started doing it because I had done it on the bolts before my accident um I started you know going up on the bolts and working the moves again but the first time I tried the crux I stuck it and I was like oh my god wow like I still have the muscle memory of it it was like really surprising but climbing into the crux is hard but anyways yeah like I pulled on those crux old and did that like big throw and that was really surprising and that gave me confidence that I could do it again or do it um and yeah that was when like and we went out and looked at gear and that was when I was like okay I want to do this yeah for sure Mm. like I want to do it yeah and and what was it what was it about that route or or maybe about about you that meant that walking away wasn't appealing because I think lots of people listening will go, well, that sounds like a dangerous route. It sounds like you had a really tough experience on it. Like no one wants to deck out. No one wants to go to hospital. No one wants to break their back. It seems quite simple that you could just go, Oh, well, I won't go back. I'll go and do some other five thirteens. I'll go and do another five fourteen. What meant you didn't walk away? I don't know. I think that like I had, well, originally I think I had this like thing in my head of like, oh, it's going to be the best comeback story. Like, it's like, you know, just like how everyone's like redemption and whatever. But I think like uh, for me, I realized that the only way I was going to get through being able to trust myself climbing above here was working on that route and trying to do it and, you know, like taking falls and climbing above the scary pieces and I think that I, when I fell and broke my back too, it like took me a while to realize, but I, I really think that like when I hit the ground, I, I was just like, like, yes, I was in physical pain, but I just felt so guilty and I felt like I failed myself. Um, and I like, remember before I fell too, I was like kind of frustrated because I was like pumped again. Cause I had gotten to that same section before and, um, and didn't do it before I decked, but like, I just felt frustrated with myself for feeling pumped again. And I like went for the move from where I fell from and like then my foot slipped and I was on the ground. And I think I just, yeah, I just felt so guilty. I felt like I failed myself. I felt like like that failure was of, of myself was really, really hard for me to accept. I've always gone through life with that. like, And I think that's where a lot of my anxiety stems from is like not being good enough. And I knew I could do the climb, you know, so it was really frustrating that I had an accident and that I didn't like, I lost so much belief and confidence in myself. Um, But I think going back, yeah, like originally it was the comeback story that I wanted, but man, that literally the past two years have taken me to places that I would have never imagined. Like I fell into like a really dark place at one point and like I almost gave up a couple times and like, I mean, you've seen me like several sessions. I was just bawling the whole time. Um, but I just needed to be able to trust myself to do something scary again. And I needed to realize again that I actually like this type of climbing. That was the biggest thing is that like, it's not like there's a reason it's bolted. It's scary, but I like that. And that's why I originally pursued it. So that was actually really cool to realize. And that was like a realization that was later in the game, like uh, last few months that I realized that, that, wow, you actually like this. So like, it's never not going to be scary, but that's what you wanted originally was to feel a little scared. So, Mm. 
I remember when we first started working together, it was back in 2021, and you were still kind of really, really early on in the process of getting back on the route and trying to kind of prepare for it and things like that. And you were you were in a really tough spot. It, you know, it, it, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of work still to be done on uh, the mental side of things. And I was wondering whether you would just share with those listening um kind of what that was like um at the time for you and and I ask this with respect to um I think sometimes people don't often know the sort of the the turmoil or the sort of like the duck paddling under the water which is going on sometimes behind this really professional exterior where they look at Molly and go, but she's a pro climber. She's sponsored. She's done all this really hard stuff. She must be cruising and have an okay time. But actually, it was really, really tough at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I lost my identity. Um, like, yeah, I could climb other stuff, but I, I really liked it. Like I said, I like this type of climbing, and I was like, why am I not enjoying this? Like this process. Like, why am I not? looking at this as a normal project like anytime I went out like it just seemed like this overwhelming monster to try to link it all together and do the route um and it didn't seem like a normal rock climb it didn't seem like a project to me at that point like looking back like it was like just I think we talked about like I said so many times it just felt so overwhelming and so I'd go through the motions like I went out so many times in the fall and winter like before it got too cold like trying to do it but I would just always fall at the crux, like I just wouldn't commit because I knew what was coming up above it was so scary and I didn't think I could handle it. Um, and yeah, I think that is, yeah, I just, I was in such a dark spot because it wasn't just the route too. It was like, my life was kind of falling apart. I had a relationship that fell apart. I had to move a few times. Um, I was working a ton of hours at Starbucks, which is just like, really like if your mental health is not doing well and you're like waking up at four 30 to go to, or at three 30 to go to work at four 30, it's like not helpful. Like sleep is like my baseline. Like, like I said, I deal with really bad anxiety and, um, if I don't have good sleep, it makes it so much worse. And then I was just being shut down by this route all the time, shut down. And like, it seems so stupid. Like people are like, Oh, it's just a rock climb. It's like, no, like this it's become it became so much bigger for me um and even though yes I'm a professional climber it was like it felt like I was not last year at all I felt like I lost so much confidence I was so insecure um yeah it, it was interesting what you said there about how um one of the words that you sort of used to describe it for a second there was about how it's just like this big monster and I always try and explain to people that sometimes when they're taking on some of these really really big bold audacious goals is that they can feel just incredibly threatening and overwhelming and if if it is in that state at present for for you or for another person that thing right now is probably just too much to take on directly it is still the monster it's not like the tamed domesticated animal in the cage it's yeah. still the monster and so it's sometimes in that situation is about going, well, okay, the monster can be dealt with at some time and I need some patience with this and I can re revisit that. But first off, let's look at all the other things that are surrounding it. So 
sleep, your work, what's going on with your just general lifestyle, climbing partners, familiarity with just getting out with friends and getting to the crag again and getting back training. And all those supporting factors can actually be worked on in the background so you kind of build build your foundation again, essentially, so that then it feels just a tiny bit more appealing to think, oh, I'll have a little poke of the monster in a month's time or two months' time. Yeah, I, I totally see. Like, when we started working together, it was November, and I think it started to get too cold in December, which was really good for me because in the like looking back because I had to take a few months off from it and just get my life together. And it's so interesting. Like, I think when we talked to you had mentioned that sometimes like you learn so much from a project, but then when you're done, it's like, you forget it. And like, I learned so much from China doll, but it was, and especially with his trauma from his accident, it was so hard to apply what I learned from China doll to crank it. Um, and I've never really had to take a step back from a route before. So that was really hard for me. Um, and I didn't really, I mean, I was self-destructing like all through the fall, like it was just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and I mean, I even was, I, one of our sessions, I was like in Florida, I remember. And like, uh, I mean, this is kind of personal, but I, part of my anxiety, I have the thing called trichotillomania. So I pull out my hair when I'm anxious. And uh, it was so bad that like my dad never notices my hair, you know, like it's like whatever it could be a different color. Um, no, but, like he noticed that like there was so much missing and it was just like a this physical representation of how I was self-destructing inside. I had to uh, take a step back from that. I had to take a step back from I took a leave of absence from Starbucks. Um, I, I had to move a couple of times. So I was like, that's going to be stressful. I need to focus on that. I need to focus on things that will actually help me. but. I mean, even in the fall, like I knew training would help me. Right. But like, I was so obsessed with just doing this route. Cause like, I was like, I oh, know I can do it that it, I couldn't even connect in my mind that training would help or going and doing other routes would help. And so I think that's why talking to you too, it was really helpful to remind myself of those things. Like just, we, like we even talked about going and sending another route, you gain a little bit of confidence every time you like have a little win like that or even just get, like getting a little progress. Like I went out and like tried this other trad climb in El Dorado Canyon. And I had a panic attack the first time I got on it above my gear, but then I went out again and talk, told you, I was like, oh, but I got to a higher spot before like feeling like I needed to take and come down. And that was like progress. It was like, okay, little confidence boost. So, um, but it is interesting like how I've never had to take a step back from a route before, but it was so helpful. Um, and it's so helpful to think that for a bit there, I wasn't even climbing or training that much, but that's what I needed to do. I needed to just focus on getting my mental health in a better spot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's often because just with climbing, it's such a complex sport and you can't just turn up physically to a project. It's not enough. You have to have all these different parts that sort of jigsaw together and especially if you're a climber like you that had such a strong mental game earlier on in your climbing career if you suddenly destroy that part of the jigsaw puzzle it's like a gaping hole and you really really notice it so it becomes a big thing to work on again to sort of recreate and rebuild that thing but totally you know, that was like oh go ahead i was gonna say having watched you do that i think it's just 
so reassuring really for everyone out there that it's so possible it is just a process and it, and it takes time yes i i so agree i've i was thinking of like saying in like a an instagram post or something i don't know just being like you guys like if i can get through this mental block then anyone can get through any mental block ever because i was like i believed in myself the least of everyone um and so, yeah, and there were so many moving parts, you know, and uh, I, I, looking back, I, I started to self-destruct when I became super obsessive with what we talked about, about like having the weather at, like good and me not working and having a belayer and just all these things that didn't always line up. And um, I just became so obsessive with it. And I mean, it was thinking about it too, like, how am I going to go to Starbucks and work at 4.30 a.m. and then go to my project in the evening? Like that just doesn't work, you know, but I was so trying to control everything. Um, and then after that controlling obsessive phase, I fell into this dark place of just depression. And then like taking a break, taking a step back, um, working on, I, I started to revisit to like the things that I had learned in that acceptance and commitment therapy. Um just that like you're never gonna get rid of the like negative thoughts you never I've never been a fan of people being like just be positive you got it you know <laughs> like and just be like oh well I got this like I, it's not my like I just like I've never been able to listen to that kind of thing it just feels like in or unauthentic inauthentic mm. so I think this is why this kind of therapy and like people have talked about it in sports too sports psychology and like we've talked about it just like you got to like push your boundaries a little and realize it's going to be a bit scary and there is a fine line between just like throwing yourself into something and then having like a panic attack and being overwhelmed by fear but if you like stretch your comfort zone a bit that makes it so much better and knowing when to like we said like back off like it's the monster and it feels like a monster and when I got like the last few months as I felt like it became more possible I still had self-doubts like I still had days where I was like and battles in my mind of like oh I can do it and like no I'll never be able to do it um but it was this interesting thing of the route started to look much smaller um when I would go to it it didn't look like oh like I gotta like link all this and it isn't that tall of a route it's like 40 feet but it did feel like like enormous in my mind. And then just seeing how looking at it when I went out to it, it just looked smaller in my head. Like that was a really cool thing to see. Mm. Yeah. And kind of um, talking about that bit where you're saying about kind of coming right to the that end part where it started to all come together and it was, you know, starting to appear smaller and that and saying that, you know, you still had these doubts in your mind. And I remember us talking, it must have only been like really quite quite a short space of time before you you know obviously had your success on this route and we you'd gone I just don't know I just don't know and I'd sat down and gone okay Molly let's just <laughs> go through and think of I think it's like three or four things that for you represent that you're ready and you're going to do this route and I've got them written down on a piece of paper here still, you know, from my session. We talked about you wanted to know that you could try hard and that you wanted to feel confident in your ability. You wanted to know that you could push through on moves like and discomfort 
and that also that you could complete on the sort of the last bit right up to the chains and for you those four things exemplified or symbolized i am ready for this route yeah that was a really good way it was like a checklist Mm. um and then it was like you know like reinforcing that even when i'm having those really anxious thoughts that like no like you will you'll you're gonna do it like it's like uh if you put in these like or you know check off these things and i think that's something that we talked about too is like I had decided that the scary section of pie, um, I was going to, I think I would leave like the first bolt clipped or something. Um, and I was going to, which it would at a certain point, the first bolt wouldn't do anything. I don't think. Um, and I was going to climb above those scary sketchy pieces that I ripped when I decked, um, and go to the last piece is really good on the route it's like a the 0.5 it's bomber that is the best piece on the route is the last piece um and so i just made this decision that i was going to make myself like almost every day i went out climb above those scary pieces to that good piece and then from there try to go to anchor but like doing that several like several times was actually so helpful for me i feel like i originally thought like Cause you know, most people would be like, Oh, you're scared of falling. Well, you just need to fall. And like falling on those pieces, like I, it was like, it didn't really do as much for me as knowing that I could climb through it. Um, knowing that those pieces, like maybe and like, I would make myself place them too, knowing that maybe I placed it slightly wrong or something. And like feeling that fear of like, you're climbing above these pieces that are not the same pieces, but the section that you decked from. Um, and I started to just like listen to to other people like that came out. It was nice to have like new belayers, you know, like get fresh like perspective. And like, I mean, I never fell and like when I would climb it on the bolts or whatever, or practice placing the gear and climbing on the bolt, you know, like clipping the bolts and placing the gear. I never fell in that scary section. Like I could totally do it. So that I just had to like remind myself of that, even though it feels insecure because it's really small feet. I had to remind myself of that and I had to make myself make links with just placing the gear and feeling that fear of climbing above that gear again. Um, and I don't know why it just, it didn't click before, but breaking it down with dealing with the discomfort, which is one of the things we talked about and feeling like I can try hard above the gear, which is what I practiced when I was going out is doing hard moves above the gear. That was what I think really prepared me a lot. Yeah. And, and it was, it was cool for me to watch you do that because I saw you go back into that same very effective and very practiced system or strategy that you use with China doll. You went back to the whole chunking thing. And chunking, I, yeah. I knew when I was like observing it, you know, seeing what you were doing. And I didn't want to really tell you too much because I didn't want to make you too aware of it because then you become self-aware and you sort of like start lowering the pressure on. But I was like, oh, she's doing the exact habits here and behaviors of exactly what you do when you tend to be successful on projects. So that was where I was like sort of quietly on the side going, oh, it's definitely, definitely coming together now. And it was it was great for me to see on the side. Thank you. That means a lot. It was so funny because I feel like the last session we had, I was like crying. I can't even remember like what it all was about. I think it was life stuff, too. And uh, just I think it was the constant battle in my head Um, because I would sometimes or I mean, most of the time, oh, this is what you told me that was like the biggest thing for me is that you were like do what you can to make it a good day and leave on like a note where you're like yes I made some progress in this way 
And I think that was so helpful for me because um, it didn't always mean like, like, oh yeah, like how everyone's like, yeah, just go for it. Like, like, just like, you know, come on, bro, try hard, like give it another go, like whatever. It's like, I would sometimes leave after just doing like one or two burns, but I was like, wow, no, that, that gave me some confidence, you know? that was really good. Or just like, if you, sh if, if I showed up at the crag and there was a ton of people there, I don't know, like the crowds, like Castle Rock, like there's tourists that drive through. I've had people like come up and just like take, be like taking photos and like asking questions. And I'm like, I'm going to do something really scary. And I don't want you to watch me hurt myself potentially, you know, <laughs> it just adds the pressure, even if I didn't think I was going to hurt myself, but just like being like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go to the gym today. And when I sent the route, um, uh, I had an awesome belayer and his name's Garth. And he's just like such a, like I've climbed with him a few times. I actually coached one of his kids at ABC a while back. Um, and he's such a chill, like loves trad kind of guy, like loves trying hard above runouts or like in, on runouts and whatever. And and uh, I'd gone out with him a few times and, and he belayed me that day. And I remember when I climbed up to the rest before the crux you can like rest in this jug side pole and, like I look up at the crux holds and I'm like oh gosh here we go I just remember him saying like like it's gonna be hard like you have to try hard like it's gonna not feel good like you have to be really aggressive he was like you have to give it 115 percent and that's like what I needed to hear too is because most people would be like oh yeah you got it no big deal you know <laughs> I needed to hear that it was gonna be hard and like just know that and that um, I could handle it still um, and that I could do it even if it was hard. And then when I stuck the crux, I was like, holy shit, it's on. Um, and I almost forgot to like, cause I used two ropes and the first rope is on like a sliding lock, like locking carabiner. So I placed two pieces in the right crack. And uh, I unclip after I clip those with the rope that I'm tied in with, I unclip um, the one that was on the two pieces for the crux, just because the two rope system made it safer for the falls because that's what ripped the gear last time or that was a factor anyway so i almost forgot to like unclip the sliding locker and like in the beginning when i placed the pieces for the crux i almost clipped the wrong rope to that i was kind of like a mess it like wasn't like perfect you know um and i and because and when i stuck the crux i was like so like oh my god it's on like but um it was cool because he said something to me too when i was like getting a little starting to notice I was getting a little over grippy like how I was getting over grippy when I decked and that's like a weird feeling to feel that same fear and over gripping and nerve and he said to me he was like you can do this tired and I was like okay yeah I can do it tired even though I'm really tired I can do this I've done it like done this section a million times I'm tired but I can handle the tiredness and I can still climb it and that was really cool and it was a fight like it wasn't like perfect and I think I had to get over that before um sending was that it was never going to feel perfect even though i knew physically i could do it a long time ago yeah mm. and i i think i kind of want to be careful to um make sure that i don't kind of spoil things for the film that you've uh, made with cedar and i know there's footage you know to come out and um there's gonna be a whole thing of this but can i ask you um, and tell me no, if I can't ask this, it's totally cool. Um, what would you, what are the main things that you feel like you have got out of this process and out of this journey that, I don't know, you would share with yourself a year ago and go, that 
everything will all turn out okay or i i would you know encourage you to try and get involved with this part of the process earlier on what are the things that you kind of took away from it all um i think that yeah you can ask that i think one of the things that was like we already kind of talked about is like i think i like felt really guilty when i decked that like i was doing something scary and i hurt myself and i put myself in that position you know and like even just people being like oh well like she did it to herself kind of thing um but i had to like learn that it's okay that this is what i love you know um and that like climbing is like a selfish like thing that or not like self i mean yeah but like it is supposed to be what you want to get out of it and i had to remember that i like what we talked about i like feeling that fear and pushing through it um and that was something that this helped me remember because it was such a fight sending it wasn't like perfect like oh, i'm not scared like yeah like positive thoughts it was like a real experience and uh that was really cool and that's something that i didn't think about for most of the process i wanted it i wanted to avoid the fear but i learned that when you avoid um feeling things it actually just grows bigger um and i read this thing in this workbook for acceptance and commitment therapy recently that was like uh talking about anxiety and, and negative thoughts and stuff and it was like if you aren't willing to have it you will and i'm like that is so true like if you're not willing to be scared then you will feel scared and it will overcome you um and that was something that was cool to learn along the way and then just be reinforced by with sending and i also think that um going into next projects i'm never going to put as much pressure on myself and i'm never going to just assume that if I'm like really scared in a section or something feels impossible at a time that I can't do it. And I also think I just, yeah, I just need to be, have more self-compassion. Yeah. I'm sure there's other mm. things, but that's what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it sounds like now at the other end as well, that you've really kind of rekindled this love with trad climbing and going big and, you know getting involved with the you know the adventurous side of it and being scared sometimes and it seems like a very positive and energizing thing again now and you've really crossed that threshold of utterly terrifying and very very threatening to whoa this is me i like this thing yeah yeah it was like getting my identity back but also growing a lot along the way um and i think too like it's so interesting like the last few weeks like just processing it all. Like it was such a shock at first. I wasn't expecting to send, like I literally cried to my mom the night before on the phone. I was like, I'm never going to do this route. Like literally like the night before. I remember she said something that was pretty cool. She was like, well, tomorrow, like call me, like call me if something amazing happens or just if you need to talk and something amazing happened and I got to call her and that was really cool. Um, but I think like the last few weeks, you know, processing it, how much it means to me, Cedar recommended not posting on social media for like a couple of weeks just to like let it sink in. And that was really a good thing for me because I mean, even talking about with social media before everyone's like, oh, I did this, but I, this was the biggest personal win I think I'll ever have in my life. Um, and it meant so much to me. I mean, the whole thinking back, like it was like, that was my life, you know? Um, yeah. And it was the, I mean, even if I climb harder grades or whatever, I will never 
feel so successful personally. Like it, it just is the biggest win for me. Um, and I also just feel like now that it's sunk in, it's this weird thing of like, what do I do now? Um, I, I'm like, like I said, I'm like a project person. So for a little bit, I was like, well, maybe I should go back and do the extension. <laughs> I was like thinking that recently. And I was like, okay, Molly, I think you need to take a break from this route. Like if you are going to go back, like that would be cool. But like, um, just take a break and like, I mean, enjoy the success of sending that. And the extension was my original goal with it, but didn't realize how heinous crank it is. It's scary. But anyways, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to find another project because I don't know what to do with myself now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll, yeah, you'll definitely, I'm, I know that you will most certainly find something that's for sure. And, and I'd also like to say that, um, I've really got the just the utmost respect for you for having pulled off this project as someone that I I really enjoy uh, bold climbing. Uh, I find it very very challenging and and I'm I can do it, but I I know how hard it is to do, and it's a real struggle. And I've seen what you have had to go through on this whole process and watched it, and I think it's absolutely incredible what you've done. And I really can't overstate that because i think it is very very significant um and that i hope that everyone listening really gets to the end of this podcast and goes you know what i'm going to listen to this again i would really really recommend it listen to what molly hones in on the process that she's been to and her vocabulary and her wording and her strategy because if she can do this with this project i can assure all of you out there listening that this is very doable for you whatever your goals are thank you that means so much to me and I mean that's the reason that I reached out to you in the beginning was like that you understand the headspace for bold climbing and you enjoy it too and uh I just yeah I can't thank you enough because it helped me significantly and being able to check in I think we're doing like weekly for a bit just to see the huge ups and downs and uh yeah i just can't thank you enough it was incredibly helpful for me and i feel like i'm like a new person or like the old molly but like learned so much more too and i'm really excited to take what we talked about and apply it to the future as well well you know it's, it's uh, always a pleasure and where um where can people see the film eventually is it going to come out in the fall in the spring uh, should they keep in contact with you or like watch your social channels for kind of updates on this what what's where should people where should i i point them <laughs> yeah i think social channels um cedar wright is making the film um and it should come out early spring next year is my guess um and yeah i think it's like thinking back like i mean i've been fil- i've been being filmed for the last like year and a half two years to two years since i like broke my back basically um and it's kind of crazy to think about like, I think this is what is going to make this film. So, I mean, I don't know any other kind of film that has as many tears as I've <laughs> expressed during this process, but also just a very lighthearted, like, I'm really glad that they like, like Cedar has seen my like weirdness and fun stuff. And so there's a really good balance, but I think that just, it's such a deep thing, at least in my opinion. And it's like, 
it really goes to like some dark, like for me, I mean, I went through such a dark place and I remember not even wanting to film for some of my really vulnerable spots, but thinking back now, it's like, wow, that's really powerful. And I think it'll help a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about it and yeah, just social channels. I'm sure Cedar will be posting about it a bunch and, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I think it's like not going to be, it's not going to be the typical comeback story that I thought it would be <laughs> so much. Like, I can't even, I mean, I want to say for the film, just so much crazy shit happened. Like just that you would never expect. I mean, I felt like I was like cursed for a bit, <laughs> so it'll be really cool. And I'm excited and hopefully people will like it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure they will. Well, it's been great chatting again, Molly. And yeah, Thanks for joining me on on this podcast and uh, sharing your journey with everyone. Um, I hope uh, everyone's really enjoyed it. And um, Molly, yeah, thanks once again. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been such an honor. And again, just working with you and not talking about it. It's really cool for me. So thank you.